Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Believe in Overwatch League Podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. We are Matt and Kevin, and each week we're bringing you news about gaming, pop culture, and of course, Overwatch. This week we talk about the new Pokemon trailer, Sony and PlayStation, and more Overwatch League. hope you are having a fantastic week um if you are just joining us hello to welcome to week four if you are coming from the news episode hello again um yeah this is going to be our overwatch half of the believe in overwatch league podcast which you think considering the name of the uh, the podcast would come first but no that's just it's not how we do it here we defy expectations um how are you doing kevin anything any any updates in your life that you did not cover in the first half when I asked you updates about your life? Uh, yeah, um, I've been trying to clean up around my room. I'm trying to make a comeback to streaming. So that is one thing that I have been uh, putting at the forefront of my, my priorities right now. Uh, besides being flooded with, you know, training and work um, before I go into that, uh, that new position which I will definitely talk about once we uh, once I actually start getting rolling with it. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see myself back, not only in front of the camera, but also like the, the end goal. The main reason why I'm coming back is because I want to make a push for um, Pokemon Worlds that happens in August. Um, the week of the 18th through the 21st is when there's like the big Worlds event. And um me being off of kind of offline for the most part um this really hurt this whole process um so i i definitely need to get back in there um and not having a consistent sleep schedule has also been hurting so it's just i have like two months to make like this huge push and uh try to get up on that main stage again so hopefully we can get there i i hope that more people tune in for that and uh yeah we'll try we'll try to make it um what what about you, Matt? How's how's your week going? It's been good. I realize I didn't tell you the uh, like the the full extent of what happened on Tuesday when we went to the office. So this is also the first time I've been to the office to work. I'd been there twice um, to interview the first two times I tried to get a job with um, DMM. So um, this is the first time I'm, I I went there to work. The office was fairly empty. Um, it was just, I think my team was there and then a couple other people. Um, apparently before it used to be just this chaotic madhouse of everyone there working, making noise and just a big fun just ball of insanity. Um, it was very quiet when we were there. and like, The view was very nice. Again, like as I mentioned in the last episode, um, you get a, like depending on where you are in the office, you pretty much get a, a huge view of Los Angeles. Like I can look out one direction, look at the Hollywood sign, go another direction, look down Wilshire towards the ocean, turn another direction. I'm looking at like more residential stuff. I didn't go to the other side, but like if I look another direction, I guess I'm looking into to downtown Los Angeles. So um, it was really a really cool place to work. I wish I had been there more. I wish there were more opportunities and more reasons to go into the office. Um, I wish I'd been there before pandemic. So I could have experienced that um, and like gotten to know my coworkers more, which is like, I mean, I've gotten to know a couple of them over zoom meetings, over brainstorms we've had and over like the, the work slack. Um, but something that I, I do miss is having coworkers and making friends and like getting to know people's personalities. Um, and like, <laughs> It's just the sad thing is like the saddest part is that like for for the dc team this was our first time all being together in person and it was our last day together as a team um but the reason we were in the office instead of just doing this remotely was because there was a bunch of um of, of stuff in the office that dc had sent to the team over the years that we wanted to get rid of and take home for ourselves so most a lot of it most of it was just like 
single issue comic books and I, I took a couple of those with like cool covers or um or things like that like i got a, a number one of the most recent lucifer run which was really good um but i also got a couple of figurines and action figures and a couple of um collected editions that like i got three of these really big collected editions two of them were like 99 each and one of them was like 125 each not each time 125 so i got like at that point i got over 300 dollars. i would say all told everything i got maybe close to five six hundred dollars that i was able to stuff into two duffel bags and just drag along with me um it was very heavy yes <laughs> but that that was fun that's my update um okay so let's get into the overwatch portion of this episode before i go completely brain dead um <laughs> so um first bit of overwatch news that we have before we get into the uh the league portion of it um so the mercy super jump if you're not familiar with the super jump it's it was initially a glitch so with mercy's um glide ability i, I don't know what it's called because i don't really play mercy but she has an ability where she of course can guardian angel thank That's you no problem <laughs> guardian angel as kevin has corrected me which i i should know but i don't um so her guardian angel ability allows her to glide to one of her teammates so she can heal them better and just reposition around the map um what happened is if you were able to cancel that essentially with a crouch you would shoot vertically up in the air and that was called a super jump um according to the developers they like that aspect of her movement and what they're going to do in the upcoming beta for the game is they are going to make that an actual official ability for her um i don't know i think they're they're going to have it be triggered in the same way but the only difference is is as opposed to a glitch it is now something a happy little accident that is now official so Congratulations, Mercy Mains. You got a new ability. Um, okay, Kevin, how, when was the last time you played Valorant? Uh, yesterday. Okay, so <laughs> do you feel like, okay, this is going to be a, I will posit something and then you let me know whether or not it is accurate in your estimation. So um, a lot of, or not a lot, but some Valorant players are worried that the game is becoming too much like Overwatch. Um, and what I mean by that is there was a uh, there was a screenshot or it, it started with a screenshot being out there showcasing like a bunch of particle particle effects filling up the screen all at once to the point where you really can't see what's going on. And as far as I understand, Valorant was supposed to be a game that emphasized its shooting mechanics and it the the skill of that more than the abilities um and with the way that this screenshot is and I guess the way some players feel like the game is going they're worried that Valorant is losing its focus and becoming too much like Overwatch and that the abilities are kind of taking over gameplay I disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, as I feel like this is like um not the the opinion that you've stated I feel like is very of the minority. Um okay. just because there is a lot of emphasis on the gunplay. If you win like your gunplay is just as important if not more important than like than your abilities in this game. And the reason why I say that is because, like, abilities, yeah, can do damage and can do, th like, specific things and provide utility. But at the end of the day, it is a tactical shooter. Um, if you've never played a single day of a Valorant, but you have, like, skills that have carried over from Counter-Strike into this, like, you'll be you'll be pretty okay. As long as you, like, understand, like, okay, this is what X, Y, or Z does. This is what this does. Um, you could definitely like get a feel for the game and understand how it works. So mm -hmm. um, at, in terms of abilities, I don't see the abilities being 
ridiculous enough to the point where like oh it's it's like overwatch where like you could win the game with abilities only um no you you definitely need to have like an understanding of how the character works and make sure that you are good to go um when you are playing set characters it's it's not just like you can you can pick this up and uh and everything works your way it there there's a lot of like little intricacies uh with every character and it's just a matter of like getting used to it and uh figuring out what works for you um but yeah i feel like the the one problem you know that i i always complain about is like half of the characters have flashes so like when you when you end up playing the game it's like oh god like what am i playing i don't know i can't see i'm always blinded so (laughs) that is that is half of the game for me um so i i feel like that that part yeah makes sense but at the same time the the easy answer is just don't look at it um (laughs) which is uh, easier said than done so we'll definitely have a peek and see what uh what that leads into later down the line Mm -hmm. do you feel like the uh the insult there of um the game becoming like overwatch is like a warranted insult um i i think if people are like realizing that the tactical shooter aspect of it is starting to get like it's it's the same nail on the head that you know cs has it's like well like the game is the the same until it's slightly different (laughs) uh you know um so i don't think that like the the draw to it valorant just sits in a very weird spot and it's just really difficult to like articulate because you have overwatch where like everything is based off of abilities right like if you only had shooting in in overwatch uh you'd you'd be terrible as reinhardt you'd just be this (laughs) dude just running around with a hammer you're literally just a body body or a, a farm or like a monkey with a taser right like so it doesn't make any sense so like that's what overwatch like honed in on was like the abilities and us- utilizing those in order to win team fights and then csgo on the other hand is completely like tactical shooter it's like flashbang smokes only um trying to figure out like how to push how to do x y or z specific gunplay and then valorant is like the very middle of both of those so like you need the utility stuff that you've learned from from like overwatch like learning how to smoke off things or learning how to like use a certain ability um, as optimally as possible. But you also need the gunplay or else you can't land any of your shots or for killing anybody. So I feel like that it, it's just a very weird line that it's straddling. Um, but I don't think that it's leaning more towards Overwatch as much. I do think that some of the abilities we have seen before, but that's what makes the characters unique in their own way. Um Rather than it just being like, you know, this is the only way to play the game um, and this is the only characters you could pick. So I feel like, you know, it's healthy in a way where it's like it's familiar to some fans who are coming from Overwatch, um, but we'll definitely see uh, moving forward and and how that how that'll play out, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, as we transition into the league stuff, we have a couple of uh, a couple stories from the league one of them is kind of concerning one of them is not as concerning it's just oh this is happening um so as as we've covered many times before the uh the third season of the overwatch league was supposed to be when the teams were going to make back their money and they were going to actually start monetizing it with a lot of homestands um, where presumably they would also be able to sell a lot of merch um, and ticket sales, etc. blah, blah, blah. This is where the return of investment was going to start coming for teams. COVID happened. None of that was able to, to go forward. I, I had, I mean, back when they were an actual Los Angeles team, the LA Valiant, we're going to have homestands and I was, I had a season pass to go to all of them. 
I was prepared to do that. I was excited for it, but got a refund eventually because that was a lot of goddamn money. Um, but when COVID hit, um, Blizzard decided in, as, a, as a measure to alleviate some of that stress and hopefully keep the, the, the league running, keep at least some action going and, and keep organizations from leaving they defer they, they allowed the permit the payments to be deferred to blizzard so um when you create an overwatch league team i it's 20 million you need to buy in plus there's yearly fees for participation um and whatever so blizzard suspended the yearly participation fees and now i guess teams oh the do you have you seen the number kevin of what they owe no i haven't guess how much between overwatch and call of duty guess how much teams owe activision blizzard in payments mm. that's a tough one just because like right i don't i don't i don't know the buy-ins for for like the the, the call, call of duty, duty teams League. Plus, how and many then teams like there are what other like how yeah. many years this is added up, other things. Yeah, like we're probably so. talking to like triple digit, like millions. I would think okay because like if each team is required to spend like twenty mil to get in, um, mm-hmm. would be like. Let me. I'm just gonna spitball. How about like four, four hundred, four hundred mill ish from what i'm seeing the buy-in costs were not suspended it was just the uh the yearly fees oh okay yeah and i don't know how much they they had to pay per year so yeah but what what do you think i'm gonna stick with the the 400 you're gonna stick with 400 okay yeah okay well god damn it kevin it's between 390 and 420 roughly somewhere in that ballpark is what's estimated so yeah you got it <laughs> um the the, the the article that i'm reading is also saying well blizzard's not in, exactly in the strongest position to collect considering um one the the high cost of entry makes it very hard to get more investors and if they come to collect the money especially that it's very hard to monetize these teams right now teams might drop out um it's they're also struggling to get the uh the current owners to stay within the league. I think a couple of times um, some organizations have changed hands. Plus also like Blizzard is not the most popular company right now, considering some, some legal troubles. So there's that. Um, and also like the league, I think is just, it's struggling to, to gain attention, traction and excitement. Like it's still, it's still kind of fun to watch, but I think the novelty of watching overwatch two is starting to wear off until maybe you see some more sojourns or more characters introduced into the game that are then factored into the league. Um, I think what would be interesting and a good way to, um, to increase on retain um, attention to the league is if maybe, and again, this, it's, it's a little late to start this now, but like with every tournament, like they they what they could have done is every tournament they added in a new character for people to watch and and see how they play. Um, again, like even even if they did, there's no guarantee that teams would play it. They'd probably stick to whatever the meta is. It's like we've had Sojourn, we've never seen, to my knowledge, we've never seen Sojourn in an actual match yet. So I mean, even if they did add like say they added in Maga as soon as this current tournament ends or junker queen like even if they add them there is aside from maybe like an exhibition match there's no guarantee we'd actually see these characters get any playtime yeah i do agree with that like unless the character is like overpowered like when when they announce like echo for the first time like a lot of yeah. teams really hopped on board um i think that teams need to understand that like or Blizzard needs to understand that, like, if you are going to introduce a new character, it has to be good enough that people want to play it. 
or you have to like force them into playing it which is yeah. kind of it takes away a part of that creativity um so i i mm-hmm. wouldn't suggest that but i do agree that right, like right if you were well first of all we have to get everybody on with the new overwatch too like <laughs> number one like we could all watch gameplay of Overwatch 2 right now, right? And we could all enjoy whatever they're doing. But if we don't have the full game for ourselves still, um, how are we supposed to like learn from this at all? Um, mm-hmm. They're kind of playing in like this bubble where we, we don't as like a essentially like as a player base, like we cannot take anything that they do to heart. Because we we can't ourselves play it yet. So what I what I do have to point out here is I think that the second that Overwatch 2 becomes readily available for everybody, more people are going to watch the league. Then on top of that, like if you were to do the thing that that you stated where it's like every big tournament, they announce a new character, like even if people don't play it, it's a good way of saying like watch the tournaments we have something that we're gonna give you mm-hmm. or like we have some big news that we're, that's lined up with our tournament um and like even if it's like the final one of the year like even let's say if it's like grand finals for the overwatch league and you're like okay we're releasing you know junker queen um and you made like you know you did the whole cinematic reveal with it um everybody would be on board like we have yeah. never not said no cinematic reveals like that like any cinematic coming out of blizzard was pretty cool to watch so i do think that like if you if you hinted at it and you made us like really happy for it we watch it so it's just a matter of like Mm -hmm. knowing like how to time that out how to get people involved and how to essentially win favor of your audience again um to go ahead and be invested in overwatch 2 not only just the game but also the tournaments um it it's equally as important so i do think that that uh that should be something that we should take a peek at um i would also yeah. like I, I was also like mentioning on on the aspect of you know blizzard not getting their fees um i feel like it it goes both ways here um just because like blizzard promised that you know this game would have, you know, certain things as like a good return of investment. Um, they they promised the homestands. They promised like, um, they promised like engagement uh, throughout a certain amount of time. But obviously, they're now you know, COVID made them drop the ball on that. You've also had, um, you know, the whole thing with Blizzard right now, obviously um that dropping the ball now you also have to go through the hoops of you know microsoft you have to say like hey can we even do this um and yeah a lot of companies like i I would not invest in making an overwatch team uh if you were if like we had the money right now um I, i would not put it towards the overwatch league just because like we know right now yeah it's a good esport and like people love the game um but we cannot get anything back like besides merch sales that aren't through the league store it is going to be very difficult for teams to not only like get their return of investment but also just like grow a fan base again so i feel like that is going to be a lot that uh we have to we have to keep in mind and I hope that, you know, the companies do get the return of investment. I do hope that there's going to be a lot of, like, people um, or companies and Blizzard, like, kind of figure out, like, a good middle ground. Because they're, they lost money, like, everybody lost money in this entire, like, in this entire endeavor right now. We just need to put, we need to find a way out to make it good for not only you know, the players and the teams, but also the league as as well. So a uh, lot to think about. One thing that I was kind of wondering, and you, you made a little bit of a reference to it, um, and I want to get your thoughts on this. 
hypothetical proposal, but back in season three, I think it's the, I think it was season three where they started implementing finally the, the weekly bands. Now, if they went ahead with the, uh, the hypothetical idea to introduce a new character, every tournament, would it be possible then to kind of do the reverse of a ban and, and do a must pick kind of thing? Like on, on one match, every, uh, on one map in every matchup for each week, you have to play this new character. So like, and the strategy there comes in with, there, there would be, have to be some sort of strategy because like, what if it's turning into like a 3-0? It looks like it's going to be a 3-0. So it's like you're down two maps. Then you have to pull out the uh, that that character, which might ruin your strategy. Or do you pull it in earlier and, and see where it goes? Or would force your the teams to kind of become proficient with the, uh, the character um, at some point? Which would, which would, I guess, it would... One, change the meta, and two, would showcase the character, which I think would do a lot to make the gameplay more interesting. But then again, it just it turns the uh, the league into a um, an advertisement for the game even more than it already is, which, I mean, I feel like inherently esports leagues kind of are their advertisements for people to play these games, just on a different scale. But like when you do that, it kind of, it might, it feels a little bit cheap, I think to, to force your people to play this character. I don't know. What what did you, what would you think of a potential must pick? I, I feel like it would, it would not only make teams, it, it wouldn't, it would make the player base and the teams like angry because they can't oh, yeah. play what, what works for them. Right. right. Like it, it takes away that option of like having the creativity. Um, I mean, they did that with the band phase though, separately. True. Like, um, weeks but where I remember links are like, Oh, I guess I'm not playing this week. Yeah. There's just like, it's, it's the same thing, but like the other way around, it's like, okay, well, what if, what if widow is the one that you have to pick? Like links like, green light only like it's time um like which is good for teams that have that character um like ready locked and loaded but if you get unlucky on a week and you have to play like i i don't know why they would do this but like what if they force farah right for like a week like it'd be cool to watch but like if you don't have a farah player Mm -hmm. it's gonna be that much harder for you to like win those matches um, and that ruins the whole thing for everybody else too. Okay. Um, so I like the idea. I like the I like the the idea of having like having a way of switching the meta, but without forcing it onto teams that way. Um, I do. This is one thing that like I've been discussing with with other games as well. Is like is is the idea of a pick ban phase like okay? Um, where you have characters who like the teams decide that that week like okay you can't play x y or z and then the other team says like okay but we want to save this one character um so like it can't like either team could play it but like it's just like we locked in this character like this character is on the table not eligible for you to ban yeah so like if you were to ban like the two like a support and a and a DPS or like a tank, I think that would probably be the go-to. Um, it'd be like if you banned like Lucio and then you hit Diva or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like a, another team that's like, okay, well, they just hit our Diva. Let's make sure that we could secure down like let's let's secure the the Doomfist or something like that. They can they can call it or same thing. Uh, moving forward so it's going to be really interesting to see how teams yeah. uh how teams will play around that i do feel like our roster is at the point where we can possibly like incorporate something like that and i know that um rainbow six has done like a small pick band where it's literally like four and four 
or like it's uh two picks two bands which is like really small um but it's just enough to like prevent certain characters from like being abused the whole time so Mm -hmm. it'll be really interesting to see how it works okay so but but same theoretical again but like if it was just for like one for one map in the in the matchup they had to they must play the character in in one of the maps and it it was only like the new character that they released for that tournament would that would would that change your opinion on on how I it think, would work i think if you made it so it's like the first round um that way it's it's even across the board right like both teams know that they have to play this character mm-hmm. um then that i think that would be okay but i don't think you could force it for the whole tournament because like okay. you still have to like you have to consider strategies and like characters like some players might not have the same experience as like yeah you know x y or z which is why i think that like if you were to do it uh and whoever happens to pull rascal out of retirement uh whoever happens to do that is like set because rascal can learn a character in like two days if you just sit him down and just be like all right figure it out and he'll come back and be like all right we're playing echo as like this weird character or like like we figured out we figured out we broke the code let's go um i do think that that's like the the way to go okay Um, so i think if you made it like if you made it a one deal thing it might be interesting but i don't think that like i don't think teams or like fans would be 100% on board with just watching, you know, like, oh, you have to play the new character. Uh, it, it might be interesting just to, like, have it on the stage, but at the same time, um, it's really difficult to, like, to pitch that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, the last bit of news before we get into the uh, actual leak stuff very briefly. Um, so the Paris... Eat- the Paris Overwatch and Call of Duty teams are pretty soon no longer going to be in Paris. They are going to be relocating to Las Vegas. Um, for the current time being, they're going to stay. Um, this isn't going to take effect until 2023. Um, so the Paris Eternal and the Paris Legion on their respective Twitters said, the rumors are true. We're excited to announce a new chapter for Eternal fans or for um, Legion fans. In 2023, the Eternal will be relocating to Las Vegas. For now, we're looking forward to blowing away the comp for the rest of 2022. So um, that is one less European team that we have. And so now I think it's just down to one European team, right? It's just the London Spitfire now. Yes, it is. Um, I, I do understand the appeal of going to Vegas. There is an esports arena. Uh, there's an esports arena there. There's going to be quite a bit to like play with there. Um, and I feel like that's going to be interesting. Um, and I know that, you know, Vegas is, you know, the newest destination for, for gaming, uh, not only for, you know, the Raiders and the golden Knights, but like. Uh, the NBA has been talking about expanding there as well. So um, definitely something to keep in mind. Um, Vegas is becoming a, a more happening town and more family friendly is what I believe the city council there was trying to make it. They're trying to move away from it being Sin City to more of a uh, a family entertainment destination. Yeah, but that takes away the fun of Vegas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, in all honesty, yeah, I, mean, I do really, think that it does. It does. It does. Uh, but no, I think no, that no uh, going around that, it it takes away Vegas from Vegas. Yeah, it, it's it's no longer Vegas. It's like what happens in Vegas is now on social media. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. Um, but overall, I do think that like it's gonna be a really interesting time to see like how and where everybody moves. Um, from this and i i do hope that you know we do have a league next year uh, i hope that not everybody drops out all at once but it is starting to get to a point where um like if you don't have a dedicated fan base it's really tough to keep this going as we've said i think this is a make or break year for the league if it's not successful 
then I feel like it's only going to go down from here. It might not immediately end next year, but I can't see it really being all that successful unless they do something this year with Overwatch 2 and, and all to make it kind a, a good bit of esports content. So, I mean, the Paris Eternal are looking, or the Eternal are looking to the next year as a, I, I believe as a given. So we'll see how long after that they are in Las Vegas as a team. Um, anyway, let's recap the last week in the Overwatch League. So starting Thursday, when I was at my sister's graduation, the um, Philly Fusion lost 0-3 to the Seoul Dynasty. The Chengdu Hunters lost 1-3 to to the Hangzhou Spark. The Shanghai Dragons took 3-2 to over the Guangzhou Charge. The Hunters uh, took 3-1 to over the Philly Fusion. Um, the Charge, 0-3 against the Seoul Dynasty. So Seoul had a uh, pretty good weekend so far. 3-2 um, to for the Dragons over the Valiant. The LA Gladiators, 3-1 to over the London Spitfire. The NYXL lost 1-3 against the Toronto Defiant. The Titans, 1-3 against the San Francisco Shock. The Spark won 3-0 over the Gongzhou Charge. Dragons 3-1 over the Hunters. The Valiant 1-3 over the Fusion. The Atlanta Rain lost 2-3 over the London Spitfire. So the London Spitfire got a win for the first time in a very long time. Um, the Houston Outlaws 3-2 over the Paris Eternal. Florida Mayhem 3-1 over the Washington Justice. The Shanghai Dragons 3-1 over the Seoul Dynasty. The LA Valiant 3-1 over the Chengdu Hunters. The Hangzhou Spark three to two over the philly fusion and again this is uh going back one the la valiant won for the first time in a very long time um but dallas fuel three to oh over the boston uprising and the la gladiators three and oh against the atlanta rain um this was a a good week for the spitfire and the la valiant because they got their first wins in forever um an interesting week for the shanghai dragons they um they had some trouble. Uh, they, they won their matches, but it wasn't as easy as we would have liked or were maybe used to seeing for the Shanghai Dragons. There's They didn't sweep anybody. Um, they 3-1 to one and then 3-2. to two. So a little bit hard for them. The Philly Fusion losing 0-3 to the Seoul Dynasty was very interesting for me, and I, I took a look at that match. Um but I don't know. It, it was a uh, I did. I would not have predicted that one. In regards to the, the fusion dynasty, I watched that match. Um, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a blow away match. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of trading onto like the points like so it, it was never really a um, not until the end. The last match, I think, if anything, the uh, the fusion were not as aggressive as the the Soul Dynasty, which is a um, a strange thing to say. Um, I think a lot of these matchups were just a lot of uh, what do I say? Um, it was a lot of who got the better alt and used it when there's a lot of Zarya play from these teams. We get, we did see some Reinhardt play here, which I was really proud of. Um, there's a lot of Reinhardt throughout the week and we got to see how that Ryan is still effective in this, um, this current meta. Um, overall, I think she's, the dynasty are a lot more aggressive as a team. The fusion have a, a tendency to give up ground or give up free push for the sake of high ground, which again, I understand, as I've said a thousand times before, I understand the importance of, of holding the high ground. Heck there's an Obi-Wan series right now. I have the high ground Anakin, like high ground is important, but I think a flaw, I don't know if it's a flaw, but a problem that I've seen in a lot of, of the league teams that happens in these games is they'll give up a lot of like the initial push just so they can hold high ground and then they'll lose the high ground immediately. And then they've given up all that push for nothing. Whereas like 
if you look at the um the Dorado matchup in this which is their second map um when the dynasty are attacking the Philly Fusion are hiding up on the high ground and just the dynasty being the aggressive team that they're playing they push a lot and they push really far really hard and so they're saving a lot of time because they can one the uh, the fusion aren't contesting for the initial push so they they get a lot of space for free plus as soon as you knock the uh the fusion off the high ground then that gives you even more space to push while they're kind of trying to reset and get a hold again, as opposed to like when you're looking at when the fusion are attacking and the dynasty are defending the dynasty, make sure that they're guarding the cart. They're playing on the low ground and they're eating up a lot of time, which in the long run of this match really helped them because the, uh, the dynasty were able to hold it so that the Philly fusion couldn't complete. And maybe had the the fusion been a little bit more aggressive and proactive with their hold, um, with their defense, and not given up all that ground and like bought themselves more time, maybe they would have, maybe this might have turned out a little bit differently, because like even though the fusion were um, were the losers here, they still put up a lot of really good fights. It wasn't a complete. Even though it was a three, it wasn't a complete steamroll. They had some, um, they had some good defense. They had some good offense. There, um, the bright spots on their team were probably uh, Zest on the the Genji. That was really good. Um, I mean, that was that was pretty much it. Zest with the Nano Blade was their big saving grace. And I think also the Fusion's problem is is that they built a lot of their their strategy on that nano blade and if it wasn't available they kind of fell apart whereas opposed to the uh the, the dynasty i feel like they were a more well-rounded team and didn't rely on a single strategy to get them through yeah it it's a balance that like i'm surprised that a lot of teams still do this and like it was something that was pushed like that was kind of drilled into my head as a player but like it's important to take high ground but it's also important to know when to give it up um there's there's moments where you need to like the reason to take high ground is to give you better positioning but you also have to remember that there is an objective that is constantly cruising through the entire map so like Mm -hmm. um, especially on like payload maps like dorado like you have to keep contesting the the cart at least with one person um and it's difficult to do because like you want to have better positioning to win the fight but at the same time you still have to stall the cart and uh and make sure that they can't push it so i i do agree with the tactic of get aggressive create space then push um but at the same time like if you're on defense it's also about balancing like balancing positioning of your of your damage to the uh to like where you can support and play with your team still um depending on how they want to play it out you know um but i do feel like a lot of teams are starting to kind of like especially with the change of like i feel like the change in overwatch 2 you know you are down a tank it used to be that you can like put three and three um in -hmm. different positions and still feel relatively balanced but now you have to commit your tank to one side or the other, which makes it even even harder uh, to really like hold down a spot. So yeah, um, definitely something that a lot of teams are still experimenting with. And I do hope that we uh, we finally get a way to kind of like break through that and and understand how that leads into you know better gameplay down the line and what we can learn as as players from mm-hmm. that kind of experience. Yeah, takeaways from this are. The Soul Dynasty are a, a an aggressive and I think well-rounded team. What the Philly Fusion need to do because they're they're not a pushover team. They're still fairly strong. Um, they have potential, but they need to be more aggressive. They need to stop relying solely on a single strategy with their DPS. Stop relying so much on their DPS. And um, uh, DPS is important, but you, it's a team game. 
Um, they also need to not rely on aim God being on the Ana and giving the nano boost so much because what teams will do then is just they'll keep killing aim God, which is what the fusion did. And then they prevented the nano boosting. So the entire strategy of the Philly fusion seems to fall apart then. So the Philly fusion do have problem areas, but I feel like they should be easily addressed if they can pivot to that then I think maybe they can come back a little bit stronger. Um, I also watched the... Um, where is it? Uh, I watched the Gladiators versus the Rain. Um, this was uh, an important match for them because either team needed to get a 3-0 or a 3-1 in order to get a, a higher seed for the upcoming Kickoff Clash tournament, which started today. Um, they needed that in order to be one of the higher seeds so they get to pick who they're facing instead of being picked. The Los Angeles Gladiators were able to do that. Um, I think largely in part of what they saw in the London Spitfire versus the Atlanta Rain game. I don't know if this was their strategy from the beginning. Um, I haven't really watched a Gladiators game until today. Um, But the big takeaway from pretty much watching all of the Atlanta Rain, because I did watch some of the Rain versus the Spitfire didn't get to finish all of it. I watched some of it. Um, but the big takeaway is that the, um, I don't know if it's just the Rain, but the Rain don't know how to contend with the Reinhardt right now in the current meta. Um, because that shield is so strong in a, uh, in a new version of the game where shields have been highly de-emphasized. Um, Reinhardt's shield is the strongest shield it's the, it's a good shield it's one of the only <laughs> shields left in the right. game isn't it yeah yeah um i think Sig- sigma has one um well they took away Arissa's completely um but sigmas can be deleted very quickly um and, and it's not as strong winston's is highly situational zarya's bubbles only last for a couple seconds so I guess like the only real like steady, sturdy, stable shield left, which I mean, I would I counted Orisa's shield as a very sturdy, stable shield, even though you weren't able to really reposition it. Um, so the only thing left is Ryan. And um, with the the double fire strikes, with the ability to cancel your charge and steer it even better, um, Ryan has a lot more versatility, viability right now he has range he has mobility he has the um close quarters damage he has the defensiveness he has the push reinhardt is just a very is a he was i think as well-rounded as you could be for overwatch one um but now he's even more so and they've just made him a lot stronger um especially considering that when you look at the meta and the rain are pretty much running meta whenever they're playing they're running a zarya or a winston um it's pretty easy for orion to get around a winston you just walk up to him and smack him and just hopefully you don't get tickled too much with the zarya zarya doesn't really i mean now both of them have their kind of secondary where they can just kind of lob a charge at you but i mean as long as you're using your shields effectively like that's not really a concern if you're able to keep your dps farther away and have some range um i just i don't feel like the the zarya was as effective with her damage because i think the rain were playing more zarya than winston they did play a little bit of winston but for the most part um they were sticking on the zarya they pulled out a doom once because the uh, nothing was working so they're just like we have to get back in time we have to just be able to dance around the point which i mean that was more effective that was more effective than playing zarya or winston um just because you have the engage the disengage and just the brute damage um but it was interesting to see how effective ryan can be because with the fire strike you have the damage you're able to keep your team distant and keep them shielded so as long as you have a good hit scan dps or or some dps with range that makes up for ryan only having two fire strikes plus you have the benefit of his shield to block damage 
Um, whereas Zarya has to either has to juggle her bubbles and really to get any damage, you have to be up close and personal. And when you're up close and personal with a Rhine, in general, as long as the Rhine has enough, has a decent amount of support and the Zarya isn't fully charged, the Rhine's going to win. Um, same thing with the Winston. Um, Winston excels at jumping in and jumping out, but if you jump in against the Rhine, you're going to get smacked. Um, so plus, um, I mean, with the Rhine also, you had them a lot of the time they were also running May. So if you put up a wall to isolate the Zarya, which was a very big strategy for the gladiators, you isolate the Zarya. Not only is the Zarya cut off from her team, you've just put up a wall so that the Rhine could charge in and get that extra pin damage. So that is a very, very effective combination that we've seen as a, as a Rhine main right now. I am very happy to see that Rhine is still effective in overwatch Two as much as shield tanks have been nerfed again. I, I don't really like the uh, dive comps. I can play it on like, a diva if i have to um i prefer death ball or shield comp or just rush comp but currently the meta is more of a dive for the league but i am glad to see that there is a, an alternative um from what i saw in the um what i liked about the the london spitfire the versus the rain match was i mean i didn't really finish that one just because it was i was tired and late and didn't have time but what i was encouraged by is that like they didn't really stick to quote-unquote meta um there was a lot of variation there they pulled out a lot of different characters there was some interesting sombra play this is when we first kind of saw the reinhardt play um i think they pulled up a Farah at one point can't remember didn't <laughs> i didn't take the best notes um but there was a lot of variation there. I was, I was kind of excited to, uh, to see that teams aren't just sticking to meta. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good to experiment, especially now. Um, and it, it's going to bring up that whole question once again, like, as you mentioned between the Ryan Winston, um, and Zarya play, it becomes, um, when it comes down to it, it is, you know, is it harder to collapse on a team or, you know, the death ball versus the, the dive comp always a whole discussion that, uh, that goes on, you know? So, um, definitely a lot to keep in mind. Is there a way, Kevin, that you can think of, I mean, aside from like the pick bands that we've already discussed in this episode, but like, I think what the league desperately needs is a way to change up the meta. There's patch changes. There's, there's balance updates. But aside from that is, is aside from those other options, is there a way that we can get like teams to not play meta because playing meta while it's effective, it's not, it's not the most exciting overwatch to watch. Cause you're just pretty much watching two teams run the same strategy. Uh, the, the answer man. The the answer is to put up patch notes. <laughs> it's just, it's like, just patch notes. For real though. Like if you for example, if you switched the entirety of like if, if you if you put out a patch notes, let's say at the end of every major tournament, right? You have all these players like learning a certain thing. You switch it up, and now Sojourn is like the go-to. Like you have a Sojourn, um, like Hamster. I don't know what whatever works. Like Farah Mercy and like something else. It's all gonna come down to like essentially switching it up enough where players are incentivized to pick other characters and. Once you have like this really healthy meta of like a bunch of different characters there, you should be good to go. Because mm-hmm. I mean, of course, teams are going to play what is currently the most demonstrated effective meta because they want to win. They want to win the money. That's why they're they're doing this. They're doing it for the victory. They're not necessarily like while they do want to 
want to play well and it be entertaining to watch that as a player is not what's the first thing on your mind the first thing on your mind is the win and if there's something that works you're gonna play it especially if you know that the other team can run it well you want to run it better but looking at the schedule for the kickoff clash tournament which is hosted by the dallas fuel in texas this is a a live event it's at the esports stadium in arlington i don't know if there are tickets left or if you're in texas and want to go but it's there um so today the washington justice lost two to three over the san francisco shock the atlanta rain won three to one over the florida mayhem the houston outlaws lost zero and three to gladiators and the toronto defiant lost zero and three to the dallas fuel um so tomorrow today friday the atlanta rain will be facing against the san francisco shock in the winner's bracket as well as the gladiators versus the fuel in the winner's bracket losers bracket the justice versus the mayhem and the defiant versus the outlaws and so that was the uh the western region now in the eastern region which is going to start tomorrow as well june 3rd it's or no, is that that's today at 3 a.m <laughs> so uh, in an hour from when I f- we finished recording this. <laughs> um, so the Philly Fusion are going to face against the Hangzhou Spark. And the Seoul Dynasty are going to be facing the Dragons. Um, and then from there, winners-losers bracket to the finals. Um, I am going to watch the at least the finals matches. So I'll, I'll at least watch two. If Twitter says that there is a very interesting... Um, pre-finals round um i will take a look at that and see why it's so interesting and why twitter's talking about it but i will at least watch two matches over the weekend i can promise y'all that (laughs) i will i will try to make time for this week to go ahead and watch this um i do i do want to see the new san francisco shock and like how they've been operating um i know that they've had a very good streak going going their way but um yeah we still have a lot of the tournament to go and kind of excited to see like how this is going to shake up not only just this tournament but also like the rest of it moving forward mm-hmm. um i don't really have any predictions again i haven't i haven't seen a lot of the teams play just because there's a lot to watch and not a lot of time right now for me um and also this is a this is the first tournament of the season a lot of these teams are still pretty new um there a lot of these teams have new players as well like for example the philly fusion has a lot of uh the rookies from their academy team pulled up to the main team so that has changed how they play so uh if i don't have any predictions um i'm probably going to save predictions till later tournaments but yeah um anything else you want to end off on kevin before we log off and go the hell to sleep yeah um i i would prefer the uh the samuel l jackson book version of that but uh i know we can't say that on on the podcast um <laughs> i love but, that book. i had the audiobook it's fantastic yeah it's 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 amazing but um honestly like just enjoy your games right now uh we are going to go ahead and watch you know some of these finals games to see how it goes um we'll keep you updated on anything else that happens to come out of the league and uh what else happens to to go on at the uh on on not only on twitter but also just like in gaming in general we will we'll keep you updated um and hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about later down the line all right guys thanks for tuning in to our overwatch section of the podcast please listen to our news section if you are so inclined and figure out all the things that happened this week in geek dumb geek them yeah i said that weird this week in geek them um but yeah thanks guys have a great week um, and hope you enjoy some overwatch adios Next week, we update you on the Overwatch League and the world of gaming.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us, and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Send us an email at B-L-E-A-V-N-O-W-L at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can contact the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.